I am so excited about today. Karen Kuhn is our special guest for Up and to the Right. And Karen, I am glad that you are with me. I am so glad to be here, Pastor. This has been an exciting time being here with North Church, and I just appreciate all you guys do. Well, we appreciate what you do, and because you have been a blessing to this church in so many ways, whether a lot of our people realize it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just want to first jump into getting to know you a little bit better. Could you tell us a little bit about your story, the Karen Kuhn story, not Teen mm -hmm. Challenge, not Freedom House, but Karen Kuhn? Okay, all the guts and glory in a real short uh, presentation here is uh, I like to tell people that I was raised in a very dysfunctional family pastor and growing up in it I didn't realize how how bad it was as I grew up I went into the military like when I was 17 thinking I was getting away from my problems my family you know I thought they were it but I soon found out uh, you know even in the military I did very well I I got promoted really fast because I'm a hard worker and uh, I like doing things good, and but I didn't realize I had become a uh, an alcoholic. I was a functional one, but even at that age, um, my drug addiction had quit when I went to the military. But the alcohol took over, and um, after I got out of the military, after many failed relationships and marriages, and um, I was just a very angry and bitter person. And when I moved back to Oklahoma in 93, I got a town bar, one of the, not a good thing to do. But it, I would say that's probably not a good thing for an alcoholic, for sure. For anybody, it's not good, but absolutely. for an alcoholic, yeah. Absolutely. I could, I could outdrink the best of them. And uh, I did, probably every day. And, and I didn't realize what I was doing every day was drinking to drown out all the things that I couldn't process. All the pain, all the, the things I'd done, the guilt, the shame, I couldn't drink it away, but I tried. And then pretty soon I got another bar in another town and I was getting spread out thin. I was a single mother uh, trying to raise my daughter, which I, was, I consider I was doing a lousy job at that. Uh, and then I was spread out real thin and somebody introduced me to meth. And uh, I thought I had got a hold of something that was the answer to my prayers, you know, because I thought I was getting a lot more done. I was being more productive. And uh, come to find out I had a tiger by the tail. Pretty soon it became my master. And uh, I ended up losing everything. I had to send my daughter to live with her dad. I couldn't even take care of her. I ended up living in my car. And I hit bottom. And I really didn't know how to come out. I watched so many people go through secular rehabs and come out and they weren't any better. It's like a subculture drug addicts are. You no longer function uh, in society. You no longer you know, do well at family gatherings. You don't, you don't hold a job. For goodness sakes, I don't even think I had a post office box anymore. You just try to melt out of society and that's where I was. I remember praying for the first time and I was coming home from having an abortion and I prayed, God help me. I didn't even know if he heard me. But at that time, I was so far gone. Everything got worse and I finally ended up getting busted and put in jail 
And I remember when they shut the door on that cell, I thought, I'm finally free. It's finally over. And I had no idea, you know, where that thought came from or why I felt like that. But I knew I finally was going to be free. Not that I was a really good jail person for a while, but that God started getting a hold of me probably about three or four months in because they held me without a bond. I got busted for manufacturing meth and like a list of charges. You never just get one. Yeah. And, um, and they were holding me without a bond. They thought they had one of the worst, you know, manufacturers in the, in the area. And I was just a junkie. That's, you know, plain and simple. It was pitiful. But God saved me. Karen. <laughs> oh. He saved yeah, me. I've heard, I want you to continue on, but I've heard this story so many times. Mm-hmm. And it never gets old to me. Mm-hmm. Because while yours is a story of drugs and you know, alcohol and abortion and mm-hmm. failed marriages, all of us really have the same story. Because all of us are addicted to something. Absolutely. All of us are... Um, controlled by something yes. until we come to Christ and make him Lord of our life. Mm-hmm. And um, so if somebody's listening to this right now, I know this is that we got to stop and put ourselves in your shoes to speak mm-hmm. in that really to be lost is lost. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No matter what that lostness is, mm-hmm. because all of us were dead in our sin. Mm-hmm. And then we became alive in Christ. Amen. If we've accepted Christ and made him Lord of our life. Yes. We're all dead, and then we become alive. And Absolutely. so it's just your deadness was a little more dramatic than some people. <laughs> yes. But we're all dead. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, as I was in the jail cell, um, I was very aggressive, very angry. And so everybody was even scared to come by the little, what they call a little bean hole that they passed the food in uh, because I was just, I was terrible. And uh, I remember reading all the books. We had a little library in the cell because it was only like a 12 by 12 and all the women came in there. Uh, So all the weekends when everybody got busted for drunk and disorderly, they were thrown in. We'd have sometimes eight to 10 women, you know, in there sleeping all over the floor. And it was was really terrible. Uh, I call it the Hilton of Okima there. Uh, (laughs) Oh, So it was, um, it was the Hilton. Yes, the Hilton, because we were like up on the fifth floor. Yeah, that's great. I we love got it. to see the whole town from you know the the window. It was quite the view. <laughs> oh, we, Sorry to laugh. No, it is Sorry funny. to laugh, but it's that's that it's is hilarious. Funny. I look back on it now and I think it was a jail cell that saved me. Yeah, you know, it was uh, for the first time in my life I, I learned what freedom was. And, um, you know, after a few months, I, I got to a book. I read all the other books on the shelf, all the Stephen King, all the other stuff. And, and none of it fazed me. It didn't bring any kind of fear because, Pastor, I had already lived in fear. I had already been tormented. I'd been demonized. I had been, uh, you know, uh, what we call the night terrors that happened because when you're a strung-out junkie on meth, you, you live in the night. 
you no longer function in the day. So it's like a demonic environment and the things that you see and experience uh, with the meth is, you can't even explain it to somebody who's never experienced it because it's nothing but demonic. It's like when you get so far gone in the meth, it's like that spiritual covering over your brain that keeps you safe from the demonic realm is removed. That's why there's so much um, death and destruction in meth because they're either killing each other or you know it has you killing yourself because that's what it's doing it's so destructive so i would have been when i tell people when i got saved if you cross the woman at the tombs and i mean the man at the tombs and the woman at the well that was me yeah and uh, that's what he had to get through he had to get through all that fear and torment um and and bring my mind back into a place to where i could separate the mm. demonic from the reality mm. so i could be free mm. and he did it through his word okay so talk to us about that you said his word and i've, I've yeah. heard this story and i love it <laughs> tell us about that book tell us about what happened in your life when you grabbed that book and what was that book that book was a New Testament, and I thought it, it was right up there next to Stephen King, so I had no idea, <laughs> yeah. you know, what it was. I've never read a Bible. I never, you know, went to church and did Sunday school, and I didn't know. I was raised pretty much an atheist. So when I started reading this New Testament, it was kind of like, this guy was, was weird. I mean, he was doing all kinds of things, and, and then it got to where it started prompting uh, responses from me yeah. and he, he showed me my real condition and oh my goodness I was so broken and repentant and uh, sad for everything I had done and mm. I was I was repentant and mm. I knew it was through the repentance that that God changed me when I was sorry for those things Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm tearing up. I'm tearing up now. <laughs> I'm trying not to. No, that's good. But it was that was the connection. He met me in my mess, and uh, and the, just the things he would every day. It was like a different encounter. It was like I woke up to, okay, what are we going to go through today? And he would take me through things like visual, and uh, speak truth. I would hear truth you know, regarding the situations. And I always had a decision to believe God or stay bound. And uh, I didn't, I thought everybody went through that. Mm. And it was just a one-on-one -on -one relationship that I built through my mess with him or he built. Yeah. So that one-on-one -on -one relationship you keep talking about and he, you're talking about the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. Yes. And then the power of the Holy Spirit that he has now put mm -hmm. inside of you. Absolutely. Begin, or, or working with you until you've made that commitment to follow Christ. So that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the oh, word of yeah. God who is Jesus. Right. And so the book is alive. It's absolutely alive. And the power of the Holy Spirit was working on you. Absolutely. Transforming you and transforming your mind. A little bit at a time. Absolutely. <laughs> I had to learn first, you know, to quit. He, he, he helped me to quit cussing. You know, I was just a potty mouth. That's what I tell everybody. Sailors didn't have anything on me. I was, you know, you got to remember, I come from the military and then also from, you know, the bar background. And uh, so I had quite the, you know, the bad, bad conversation. Had to teach me how to talk, how to, how to be kind. I mean, those little things that a lot of people take for granted. How to tell the truth. You know, I'm looking at 20 to life for something I was guilty over. And I had to finally come to the terms that I did it. And I have to tell them I did it. And uh, let's go from there. So, so that's what happened. But I had to tell my attorney, okay, I'm done fighting. 
just tell them uh, I'm ready to cut a deal, whatever they want. And my attorney came back and he said, they, they offered you 10 years. I said, okay, God said 10 years, I will do it. And uh, by the time I went down in front of the judge, you know, those five floors down, um, he changed it to three years. And, and it was just my Hallelujah. first time experiencing the blessing of telling the truth. Yes. <laughs> and it was a big one. <sighs> That's so good. It is amazing. So, so now, Karen, I want to go to a, a special um, section of our up and to the right that we do. And it's okay. called Let's Talk It Over. So I want right now, we're going to get ready to just jump into Let's Talk It Over. So today on Up and to the Right, Let's Talk It Over. You've had the opportunity to be able to meet Karen Kuhn and hear her story. But now we're going to dive into really how you and all of us can learn what it really means to walk in freedom. Amen. Because all of us deal with addictions Absolutely. of some type. Absolutely. Uh, that addiction could be lust. It could be pride. It could be jealousy. It could be gossip. It could be whatever. Gambling. Gambling. Mm -hmm. Oh, those are huge right mm -hmm. now. Oklahoma. Um, absolutely. But what do you do uh, if you are struggling with addiction or have a friend or family member that's struggling? What, what would you say uh, to those listening? Get help. You know, that's the, the biggest thing is, is get help. Look for, you know, a support group. Look for accountability. Uh, find help be, before it becomes destructive and it becomes so far that uh, you lose everything or you end up, you know, in the ditch. We all hate hate that, uh, you know, replication of it in the ditch. But, you know, that's where it'll take us, every one of us, every time. Uh, addiction brings deception. And uh, then once we get into the deception, it's almost difficult. It almost takes somebody else pointing it out, you know, for us to go, well, yeah, well, I think I do have a problem. So, yes, get help. So, Karen, I, I, see, I talk to people over and over again who... I see they have a problem. They maybe even admit they have a problem, but they don't think it's bad enough. Mm -hmm. And so they keep just doing the same thing, thinking they can do it on their own, mm -hmm. thinking they can make it happen. And I know the end of that story every time. Absolutely. Uh, and it doesn't turn out good. Absolutely. What would you say to that person? Like you already said, get help, but then mm -hmm. kind of what, what do, how can they realize that I need help? Well, you know, there is the biggest problem. And uh, a lot of times until they get to the point to where they're willing to admit they need help and they're seeking it, everybody usually has to take their hands off of them. You know, let them have the consequences for their decisions and their choices and, and make sure that you set boundaries. And don't, don't enable them. Absolutely. That's the biggest problem right there. And we all are guilty of that, whether we Because uh, we love them. Oh, we don't well, want them hurting, but we're not we, helping them oh, either. Yes. We're being yeah. God is yes. what we're doing. We're trying to control the situation. And that's what uh, our biggest difficulty when we're dealing with, with parents and their children in addiction is they just keep rescuing them. And, uh, you know, I always tell them, you're going you're gonna to love them to death if you don't get your hands off of them. Literally and, love and them to death. And that's exactly the truth. And it's very sad. I mean, I hate being the one to always tell them the bad news, but it's very true. You know, I heard it said, uh, doc, uh, Dr. Jack Smart said in our classes the other day, he said, he said uh, mercy for the first time you rescue. After that, it's enabling. 
And it's one of those things you have to just wrap your mind around that. The first time is, I'm going to help you this time, but you've made a bad choice. Next time, eh, you're on your own. And those are so hard, especially when we have mothers with children or, or things yeah. like that. We just go, well, we can't let them be out on the street. And those are hard. But tough love is very real. And I believe when we take our hands off, allow God to do what he needs to do, the change will happen. You sound very convincing that, um, <laughs> that God can do a better job than we can. Every time. Every time. And I've seen it time and time again. And uh, that's one of the, the, I think the biggest hindrance for people getting well is the enabling. If it's not the parents and it's a grandparent or if it's a sibling, uh, you need to do the intervention where you all decide to say, no, I'm not, uh, I'll help you get into a program or I'll help you get to where you need to get the help. But after that, we're done. Set boundaries. So I've heard you talk about that life controlling behaviors mm -hmm. uh, are in categories of, of idols, basically. Well, Absolutely. What, what do you mean by that? Uh, they, begin, they begin to be the thing that controls you. Um, that anything that takes your sight off of God and, and it becomes more important to you than, than God, it becomes an idol. You know, we had, they had the word bears and the, talking about the different life controlling uh, issues you can have. It can be behavior. Uh, how many of you know people can have, a, you know, anger, jealousy, rage? And those all find, you know, fall under behavior. Then um, emotions, you know, getting, getting to where you use your emotions to manipulate people. That's still, that's a life controlling issue. I see that one all the time. A would be your attitude. Uh, we know how those are around a lot of people. It's, it's just always, you know, it's about everybody else doing everything wrong. It's not your, your responsibility. And I believe it's R is relationships. You run into those people that'll go from one bad relationship to another. I was one of those people. It's like you got these little radars on and uh, you can pick out the worst one in the, in the area. And, and it's only because you're carrying the same critters is what I call it. And you're always gonna migrate to each other. It's like a, it's a spiritual pull. So you'll get the ones that have been hurt and they're gonna hurt. And that's just what you're gonna magnet to. Or you can have a substance. So it comes in all those different areas and they all can become idols. Mm. So after a, <clears throat> this addiction sets in, the stronghold comes. Mm -hmm. And it, it, t talk to us a little bit about that. What delusion sets in, blindness, mm -hmm. talk yes. to us about that. Well, what happens after that is a lot of times you, denial. You, of course, I'm not that bad. Uh, you know, I could stop anytime. Or, or when it's under any of the other areas of relationships or emotions, uh, an angry dad coming home from work, you know, all those things are still detrimental to the family dynamic. And, uh, and they don't see it. I used to tell everybody, uh, if you take the example of a good loving father comes home from work and usually the dog greets him at the door. He pets the dogs, the kids come running. He loves them, you know, loves on them. And then of course, you know, greets his wife. Has a bad day at work one time, comes home, he's angry. Dog comes running to him, he kicks the dogs and he tells the kids not right now. And, and the whole house is in upheaval and he does nothing. 
then it makes it easier for it to happen again yes and again and again but that's where repentance comes in yes if you kick in that spirit of repentance and deal with it as you know correctly you know ask for forgiveness you know repair the family and uh, commit to not doing that again as it happens then the likelihood of it happening again is much, much less. So it's the same way with all addictions. Now you talked about repentance. Repentance is more than just admitting something. It's, there's, it's turning around. Absolutely. It is an about face. Total. It is 180. You're going one way, you turn around and and go the other way. So in regards to repentance though, I see a lot of people that they want to confess it to themselves and just them and God without bringing somebody else into it. Hmm. But the Bible says, confess your sins one One to to another another so that you may may be, what's that word? Healed. Healed. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is they may confess their sins, but they're not getting healing. Right. Because it's just them saying, I admit, but you got to be able to confess it to others. Exactly. And then also, Karen, speak to this a little bit because I see people that, um, I think when, when we're controlled by anything other than Jesus Christ, it's like an emotional fog. Absolutely. And we cannot see clearly. It's like if we're driving down the road and a, a fog bank sets in or a real deep fog, you got to slow down. you got to be careful. But then literally, if, if you're in something so deep, you actually need somebody else to help Come lead you. Come alongside, absolutely. And so I know with Teen Challenge, that's what a Teen Challenge does. Mm-hmm. It literally takes people that have been so much of an emotional wreck because of their addictions that they need somebody to take them by the hand and show them, walk them, walk it out, how to walk through it. And that's one of the things about accountability. I still exercise accountability, you know, many, many years later, like when I, so you're saying none of us outgrow accountability, Absolutely. no matter where we're at in our spiritual walk. Absolutely. Okay. You know, I believe that repentance of, uh, when you, when you have a failure in a, any relationship, it's always make things right, you know, because I believe that's what keeps relationships going. Yes. That's like when I had my mess up the other day when I wasn't feeling good and not able to make the recording, you know what I do? I, I text you. I said, I am sorry. And, and and I just want to make sure things stay good between us because yes. that is uh, that's that's relational. I find that very very important. Uh, repentance is so powerful. You know, there's a uh, some curriculum. It's called the Walk of Repentance, and it's by Pure Life Ministries. And it is absolutely rock your world uh, curriculum that our ladies at Freedom House loved because it, it gave them the idea and understanding of how important repentance really is and what it looks like, you know, what it looks like. Uh, because we just think it's just our sin. We just turn around from it and we're good. And um, what I've always told them, even when I was, uh, the Lord was taking me through a lot of my past issues, I would say, yes, Lord, I've done that to them, and I'm sorry. And if you uh, have me go to them when I get out of prison, I will, and I'll make it right. Because that was my heart. It was I wanted, I wanted everything to be cleared out of the way so yes. my relationship with God would be you know, pure. Yeah. And I think that's a missing dynamic is that extra step. I'll go make it right. I'll go do whatever you want me to do uh, because my relationship with God was so much more than eating a little humble pie. That is so good. It's so good. <laughs> now, Karen, to kind of wrap up, let's talk it over. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what, what does North Church offer? Um, and, you know, 
specifically a group that's starting right now. Yeah. <laughs> L-I-F-T. Talk yes, to us sir. a little bit about that. Yes, sir. We call them lift groups, and they're living in freedom today. I, I firmly believe in that word you hit a while ago is accountability. And when you're struggling with any life-controlling issue, whether it be uh, something that's, you know, what everybody calls drug and alcohol, those big ones, or it's, uh, you know, eating disorder, cutting, emotional distress, you know, whatever your battle is, there's a group we want to bring together to where you can be heard. But this group is also not just for people that are struggling. Maybe, maybe they have been growing and been moving right. forward in their walk with Christ. This group is also for those individuals. Absolutely. I call it the cleaning out uh, because I believe we all need that, that occasional spiritual you know house yes. cleansing and uh, doing the curriculum will will take you back to areas that'll uh, refresh you and get you back on the right track because i think a lot of us gravitate toward you know moving away from god and 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 reading our bible and praying we start feeling dry and uh, wondering why and sometimes we got stuff in the way and uh, it's a way for god to get back in that relationship with you so you can hear from him again well, Karen, this has been wonderful. Yay. And so if they want to find out more about Lyft, uh, just simply, uh, they can uh, assume they can text the church or they Absolutely. can call the church or they can email mm -hmm. or when they come to one of our weekend experiences, just put it on a card or visit with you in the lobby if you're in Oklahoma City. Right. Uh, so you can there. probably find you. Yes, we're going to have a team out at the table for the rest of the month and it's sign up for anybody who's interested in the classes. And uh, we just hope to see a big turnout when we start April, uh, second week of April. Second week Friday. of April. We'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> second week. That, that would be uh, April the 11th. Okay. I believe, I believe it's April the 11th. So, hey, I am so glad that you joined us. I am excited that Karen Kuhn could sit down with me today and you could be able to hear her story and then also be a part of Let's Talk It Over. So until next week, I look forward to seeing you again on Up and to the Right. Amen.